Today is Indigenous Remembrance Day, and we are, of course, making our way towards November the 11th. So we've been spending this week looking at how different people and organizations across the country are marking the day this year and some of the issues facing veterans and their families that deserve more attention. That brings me to new research uh, being carried out by the Canadian War Museum that, interestingly enough, looks not at what happens during war itself, for which it is well documented, but what takes place after. It's called In Their Own Voices. It's an oral history project. So far, it features about 120 veterans and family members. And it looks at what life was like for them after war, after military service, both positive and negative. Uh, Jonathan Reed, whose father, John Reed, was a prisoner of war held by the Japanese during the Second World War in Hong Kong, says he decided to be interviewed for the project because of his own journey in trying to understand the father who died in 1979 at the age of 65. He said it was an incredibly difficult process, that he was a man that he was distant and that he didn't know exactly how to relate to him. So got involved in this project to learn that aspect of things, to talk about it, in other words, about a father who died all the way back in 1979, so 43 years ago now, but still struggling to understand the impact that war had on him and the family. Veterans Experience and Story, and Michael Petru is leading the In Their Own Voices project for the Canadian War Museum. He's also a former journalist and war correspondent, and he joins me now from Ottawa. Thanks for your time. What about the, these stories did you feel needed to be told that hadn't been told yet? Well, a couple of things. I mean, I think one of the main aspects that haven't been told before is we often think about war as ending when the war does and a lot of oral histories that we've done in the past have you know focused on the wartime experience of those who are affected by war or involved in it civilians and soldiers but i mean this soldier this project is a little bit different because we are trying to understand the the enduring impact that war has the echoes of war um, they can cascade through veterans' lives and, and, and also through the lives of their families. So, I mean, certainly we do talk about the wartime experiences of the people we're interviewing. Um, and for some of the interviewees, it's it's this is a wonderful opportunity that I think that, you know, historians will be able to mine decades in, in the future. Um, I interviewed a, a Second World War veteran the other day who was a, who was a mine-clearing diver. So after the... Uh, the Allies landed at D-Day and they started to liberate the Channel ports. His job was to put on the suit and make sure the uh, the docks were safe from mines. Well, there was you know a small number of people that did that. So to have a chance to interview an individual like that, I think, is very valuable. But our main focus is okay. The war is over. You know, how did it change your life? You know, what what are you going to do with the rest of your life? How did those four years and all the sacrifices and losses but also what you what you learned and how is that going to change you know the next 10 50 you know 80 years of of life to come so that's the one thing that i think is different and then the other thing that i think makes this project a little bit different is we're also speaking to family members because i think we're coming to understand that sometimes these impacts of of war and military service don't end with the veteran they have an effect on the children and the spouses of veterans as well. So that's those are the two, I think, unique things about the project. It's it's a focus on the post-war, on that transition and becoming a civilian again, and it's expanding our net to also look at uh, the loved ones of veterans to try to understand how their lives were changed as well. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting that you bring that up because having covered anniversaries of, of major battles and and you know Remembrance Day and all those things, often 
the impact of after the war is something that you talk about after the interview is done with one of their children, for instance, or even them, but you don't often make it the focus of your story. So it's interesting that that you would take it that way. What did you learn? I mean, you've done a lot of you've done a lot of the fast history, the reporting on you know the events themselves. What do you feel like you've been able to bring out of a lot of these interviews when it comes to understanding the impacts of war and of service once it's done? Well, I think it's given me a deeper deeper appreciation for how much war and military service shapes the lives of veterans, but but also how much those veterans you know have shaped Canada. I mean, I think we often, again, we often kind of hive off military history and 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 you know we'll talk about the battles. We don't necessarily talk about the social changes that you know those veterans you know affect on Canada when they come back, and we see this all around us in Canada. Everything from you know the, the the suburbs that you know extend out from a lot of the major cities in Canada. A lot of that is the result of veterans' housing, um, the changing role of of women in society. You know that that stems in many ways from different roles that women uh, took on during uh, during conflicts, uh, changing roles of uh, some ethnic minorities within Canada as well are are affected by their own service. They've spoken with a, a handful of uh, Chinese Canadian veterans of the Second World War and and their their relatives to give one example and they say look you know we we served in part to to prove our loyalty and to you know further our own political emancipation so i think how far reaching i think the the experience of 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 military service in a war can be again on on the lives of the individuals who took part but also on broader society and i guess the other thing that i'm that i'm learning is and we're still in the middle of it, and we're learning. I learn new things with every interview I, I I do. But I'm beginning to think that there are you know certain shared uh, experiences, I suppose, or shared outlooks that, that result from having served a lot of veterans. When I ask them what they miss about military service, we'll talk about similar things. They miss the sense of mission, the camaraderie. But I think there's also uh, the shared experience of loss in some in some cases. I remember. Uh, interviewing one veteran who described a dinner party and he was a veteran of Afghanistan and uh, a relative uh, brought up one of his, uh, his fellow soldiers who had killed, who was killed. And uh, the veteran broke down. This was a difficult memory. And he left the, he left the dinner table and that was a larger family get together. And uh, his grandfather uh, followed him into the hallway and, uh, you know, put a, didn't say much, just, you know, put his arm on his grandson's shoulder and said, I understand. Now, his grandfather had served in the Second World War. They were separated by, their wartime experiences were separated by 60, 65 years. But they were able to connect because they both understood something very intimate and very profound about losing somebody in in, in combat that the, other, the, the others at the table uh, could not share in that experience. And I guess that the, the twist, or even to make, I think, to underline that point, the grandfather had served on the the German side in the Second World War. Um, you know, as the grandson put it, he fought for a cause that the grandson found abhorrent. Um, but that common experience of of, of, of loss uh, enabled them to forge this connection. Again, separated by you know different conflicts, different sides of the conflict by by you know decades and decades. And I think that speaks to the. Uh, uh, again, the, the 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 shared experiences that veterans sometimes sometimes have. 
Uh, today is Indigenous uh, Remembrance Day. I, I, I gather our definition of what war looked like and what its after effects have been has changed a lot, that we're including a lot more of the stories that weren't often enough told in the past. Have you looked into that? We have, and that's certainly one of our priorities is is to is to amplify and 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 find some of these perhaps previously marginalized voices, um, uh, LGBTQ vets, uh, ethnic minorities, Indigenous veterans as well. We have a lot more uh, work to do, but we we've interviewed about uh, twelve uh, veterans so far that um, that identify as Indigenous, uh, First Nations, or Métis. Um, and and you're you're absolutely right. There's again, there are, there are common experiences, and there are, there are, there are different tensions and themes. The way discrimination within the military might compare with discrimination in broader Canadian society is something that has come up. Um, uh, I remember interviewing a, a a black vet from he served in the 1990s to the 2010s, if I recall correctly. And uh, he found that the the discrimination within the military was 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 far far less than in broader Canadian society, and that's that's something that we're we're looking into. Um, I had a an, a really uh, I think enlightening interview with uh, Frank Mortsugu. He was a uh, he served in the Second World War, uh, but his family was also he and his family were also uh, interned. Uh, because they were Japanese Canadian and uh, forced to relocate to Ontario, and he described having a conversation with his own father um, about why he wanted to enlist uh, towards the end of the war, and he said it was in part again to prove that the family was loyal to Canada. Um, and 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 Frank talked about how his service and the service of other Japanese Canadians uh, during the Second World War was an asset when they then tried to campaign for redress and apology for their internment. Uh, I had a, a recent interview with uh, Donald Julian, a Mi'kmaq veteran uh, in Nova Scotia. And it was interesting because, of course, we talked about the, you know, the complicated relationship between the Canadian government and Indigenous people in Canada, and uh, and everyone has different opinions. But it was interesting to hear you know Donald uh, talk about his pride in having met the Queen and talked to her in detail. And... Uh, Donald, uh, Dr. Julian, he's a scholar as well who's researched uh, Mi'kmaq military history. Um, you know, he, for him, he saw serving in Canada as very much in keeping with his own uh, Indigenous traditions and the obligations and and and, and promises that uh, the Mi'kmaq nation made to serve and protect the British and and now the Canadian Crown. So he rooted his own decision to to serve and his pride in having served. You know, very much in Indigenous history and in this history of relations between the, uh, uh, the Canadian First Nations and the First Nations in Canada and uh, and the Crown, the British and now and now Canadian Crown. So, uh, so those those experiences are, are 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 unique and fascinating, and it's been a real it's been a real pleasure to uh, to dig into them, and I'm 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 looking forward to doing it more. Well, Michael, thank you so much for sharing uh, what you've learned through this project. We look forward to seeing uh, the results of it as well as you continue. It's a pleasure to talk to you, Ben. Thank you for having me.